Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for the way that you are moving among us this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been speaking to us and encouraging us already. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you've begun a good work and we pray this morning that you would bring that to completion. Father, we are lost without you. And we want to thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. Lord Jesus, I call upon you, Lord. I need you. I'm aware of my failings and my shortcomings. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you would anoint the word, Lord. And that, Father, that you would continue to build your church. Jesus, build your church. Amen. Last week... um, as you know, we had a lot of snow and so forth, which meant that a number of people missed the first in our series, The Bigger Picture, which John uh, shared. Can I just encourage you to get the download from a computer? If you don't have a computer or find them difficult things to get your head around, then do get the CD. Don't miss out on what God said last week because it's all going to tie together. What I'd like to do is this morning is to uh, read to you from Ephesians chapter 1. It's a book of the Bible. It's near the back. And we're going to go from verse 15 through to verse 23. It starts with, for this reason, and of course it's in the context of what has already been spoken. For this reason, ever since I heard of, about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power towards us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? know God's character is completely unchanging his love his justice his righteousness his goodness and his kindness unchanging and yet our God is a God of movement you know he's a God of action see the way the seasons change well if you're like me you get thrilled by the tides the moving of the planets there's there's change going on But this change is always operating within the boundaries set by God. 
I believe the same is true in God's dealing with the church. I believe that there are movements and there are seasons in the church. And the Bible tells us, as we've heard this morning already, that we are the body of Christ and that we are individuals that together bring an expression of God's purpose on the earth. So a simple question. Do you sense that God is moving? God is doing something? Do you have a sense of that? It's exciting, isn't it? Maybe he's inviting an, an influence of... Uh, uh, maybe he's inviting an emphasis change, a flexibility within us as a church as we move into this new sister, new season. He's, you just get a sense he's repositioning us as a body. But anyway, for many years... Uh, I felt like Jeremy Clarkson then. For many years, <laughs> I've been exposed to all the Christian teaching. Jesus has saved me from my sin. Isn't that good? And Jesus loves me. I know we've sung it before, but remember the song, Jesus Bids Me Shine? Yeah. You in your small corner and I in mine. Wasn't that drummed into our heads? Jesus loves me. And then when I became a Christian, I was told that, that Jesus can help me sort out all my bad habits and all my bad attitudes and all the nasty things that happened to me before I became a Christian. And the even nasty ones that happened to me after I became a Christian. <laughs> It's all about me. In one sense, that's right. You know, we are saved as individuals. We need to come before Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I've got it, yeah, I've got it wrong, Lord. I have sinned. I've messed up. Lord, please forgive me. You repent. You change direction. And you come to God. And he forgives me individually. Isn't that wonderful? We saved individually. Then I was taught about the Holy Spirit. We've heard about the Holy Spirit this morning. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this great battle starts of trying to get myself filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I need freedom to operate in power. I must find my ministry, healing, deliverance, whatever. That's all good. That's fine. Because God does love us as individuals. Read Psalm 139 lately. Isn't it amazing how God loves us? He even formed us in our mother's womb. In that dark place, he knew us. He formed us. Sometimes when I'm praying for healing for myself, which I need this morning, as you can tell from my throat, I'm thinking, God, you formed me. You saw my unmade substance and you love me. He loves us as individuals. Do you know his thoughts to you? You are so precious. His thoughts to you are more than the grains of sand. There are in the whole world. Ever picked up some sand on the beach and tried? I think you're doing this at Cell on Thursday. <laughs> Having a bucket of sand. And we would just spend the whole evening counting out as many grains as we could. Ivan, that's God's precious thought to you. That's his love to you. That's his precious thoughts. That's how we would be there for all eternity. That's how much God loves you as an individual. Oh, he loves you. He loves you so much. This is what I was taught. Fantastic. However, however, something absolutely vital has been missed. And I believe the Spirit of God is seeking, and is clearly even through the, the words we've had from Jenny and others this morning, seeking to redress that balance that some of us have had in our upbringing. We are not just saved as individuals, but we are saved to become a body 
In fact, the very body of Jesus Christ. Spooky, weird, isn't it? This is the true dynamic power. And this is a loved, filled church, which will not be lots of individuals doing their thing for God, but us coming together as a body. I believe this is part of the bigger picture that we're looking at as we go through Ephesians. Did you know that you're connected to your brothers and sisters? If I was feeling naughty, I'd get you to look around. But I won't, because if I was sitting out, I'd go, oh, please don't make us look around and smile. Because if you do, always just look above people's heads, and then it'll look like you're doing it, and you won't catch anyone's eye. Good trick for the next time someone does that to you. But these are our brothers. You, you know, you're my brother and sisters. I'm sorry, but I'm part of, the, I'm part of you, and you're part of me. Awful, isn't it? <laughs> Scary. But it's wonderful. But it's wonderful. You know the spirit of the world? It's about individualism, isn't it? Individualism, isn't it? I know my rights. I'm going to ring up that phone in and tell him exactly what I think. That person pushed in front of me. My human rights say that you can't do that to me. How do I feel about the worship this morning? Did it meet my needs? Did you know this is a spirit of the world? It can creep even into people that really love Jesus. It can creep in this sense of injustice and I need my rights. It can infiltrate even into the church and we have to stand against it because we are a body. Self must die, hallelujah, that the body may live. Now maybe you think, well, Julian, I'm okay on that one, you know. Loving the body, yeah, I'm, I'm okay on that. I haven't got a problem with that. Well, here's a question. If the leaders or the elders sidle up and have a little quiet word, just to correct something, how do you react inside? You see, we must trust those who are over us to correct us because they love us and because they care for us. Did you know the Bible says that God even disciplined Jesus. He'd known no wrong. One version says, he scourges every son he receives. That's not very loving. <laughs> but that's what the Bible says. It's in Hebrews 12, 5 to 9. And I believe correction and being disciplined is actually a sign of sonship, that we are part of the body and that we are connected to Jesus, that we are sons of our Father God. We all, we all love John 15, don't we? My father is the... Jesus says, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. Everyone that bears fruit, you know, he prunes. Don't bear fruit, cuts away. But we love that verse. But pruning is part of the deal. I was thinking about this. If you let something grow very long and struggling, you'll still get a bit of fruit. But it'll be over here. Another bit of fruit will be all over there. But if you prune it, you'll have fruit and more fruit and abundant fruit. I believe this is what God does as he disciplines us. And this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where some of us have to make choices. Because it's painful. Because growing does hurt. Remember when you were a teenager? Growing hurts, doesn't it? But we grow. I used to say to my mum, I don't want to ring up about getting a job. Now you ring up, she said. There was me a 17-year-old. What did my mum to do? I had to grow up. And in the church, some of us, we have to grow up. 
So what does this passage in Ephesians, what does it say about individualism? What does it say about individualism? Well, frankly, nothing. (laughs) So that's a nice, easy one to preach on, isn't it? I'm taking some of the quotes from the American Standard, but in verse 17 it says that it's about having a spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of him. It goes on in 18, to know the hope of his calling, not the hope of our calling, it's the hope of his calling. What are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints? 19, the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. And 18 again, we experience the glory, the power, and the fulfillment of our calling in the saints, not as an individual saint. Now, the Old Testament, which is the big lumpy stuff at the front, it tells us stories about how God was dealing with his people, always trying to draw his people back. And uh, at the beginning of the Old Testament, there's a book called Deuteronomy. And in verse 32 and verse 30, it says, One person can put a thousand to flight, two people can put ten thousand to flight. So one can put a thousand to flight, and two can put 10,000 to flight. So Steve, would you like to join me? Ivan and David, could you just join me for a moment, please? I won't embarrass you. So here I am. Just say that, Steve, thanks very much. So here I am. I'm a Christian, and, and I really love God. And here I am on my own, and here comes trouble. <laughs> Do you get that? Okay. Now here I am with my brothers, like this. Here comes trouble. Okay? <laughs> Thank, you very much. Thank you very much. Do you see, we, we stand, if we stand on our own as a Christian, we're in trouble. We need our brothers and we need our sisters. God, throughout the Bible, uses examples of where a few people put many people to flight, like Gideon that we looked at last year. You know, for those of us that have been Christians for a long time, it is no, just, we need to clear it in our mind, it's not about us finding our ministry. I must break into healing, I must break into deliverance. Well, God, what are you calling me, me, me to do? And how is the church going to make sure it makes space for my ministry? It's no longer about that. It's about us being an expression of the body of Jesus to a hurting world. It's about us as a body showing Jesus' life as a body. I found it difficult to get my head around this. Very difficult. I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff, especially in the last four years. Change patterns of absolute ground in thinking. It was time for me to say to God, help me change my mindset. So my mindset is about the body, not about me in isolation, but about laying down my will that I might be part of the body and benefit the body. And this is exactly what Jesus modelled. Ever been to the Royal Albert Hall? You know, been to the Royal Albert Hall, go and see an orchestra playing. 
just imagine the picture. You just see the Royal Albert Hall and there's all the, the seats of the orchestra. And there's a low, row of seats with violins on, a row of seats with violas, row of seats with flutes, oboes, clarinets, timpani at the back, cellos, double bass, triangle. They're all, they're all there just lying on the chairs. The conductor comes to the stand and then one little man comes onto the stage with his dicky bow, looks around, he races over to the violin, picks up, plays a note. He races over there, picks up the oboe, plays a note. He runs up the back, he bangs the timpani. It's ridiculous. There's all of those instruments and there's one man trying to do it all. The conductor has nothing to work with. Now a much more amusing picture. <laughs> Imagine a hundred members of the orchestra all coming onto the stage at the Royal Abbott Hall and they're all having a massive fight because they all want to play the flute. There's fists flying everywhere, there's dicky bows flying everywhere, evening dresses are getting torn because everybody wants to play the flute. Again, it's ridiculous. No. Each instrumentalist must practice and hone their own skills and then come together under the conductor and that will enable them to create one sound together. Do you see? You with me? Do you see what I'm saying? That as we hone the gifts that God has given us, we come under the conductor and we can make one sound. The Bible is riddled, riddled with God speaking to us about being one people. It says in, in Acts 4, uh, Acts 4.24, when Peter and John had been in trouble with the Sanhedrin for healing a man, and it says... They got together, the, the, the church got together, and they lifted their voice with one accord, with one purpose. Again, in, in Acts 2, before the Spirit came, they were together in one place, in one accord. It can work for the reverse as well. In Genesis, the book at the very beginning of the Bible, there were men that wanted to build a tower to God. They wanted to, they wanted to just show how wonderful they were and establish something. And God said, they are one people and they have one language, and nothing they purpose to do will be impossible to them. Nothing. One people, one language. So God confused the languages. Do you realise if we are one people with one language, nothing will be impossible to us? Exciting. Exciting. You are a precious member, individually. You are loved by Jesus. Yes. But also, brothers and sisters, we are called to be active and useful members of the body. Whether you're a violinist, a bassoonist, or a triangle player, every one of us has our part. All are needed. Colin Urquhart, in the book, which I cannot believe is over 30 years old now, Colin Urquhart says this, The love between Christians is to be a reflection of the sacrificial love that Jesus has for them. And he spells out clearly what this means. John 15. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus showed that to serve meant, showed that to love meant to serve, to live for others and not for yourself. This is what it means to be a true member of the church. God draws us into his body, 
that we may learn what it is to live for one another, to love and serve others. Living for others, serving, loving, giving is certainly what the spirit wants, but is diametrically opposed to the desires of the flesh, of the sinful nature and the sinful and selfish nature. We have to learn the personal victory of the new nature, not only within our individual lives, but also in our relationship with others. Hallelujah. There's, there's more there. But God is calling us. God is calling us to be a body. Ephesians. I mean, what a great book this is. Most people who are Christians love the book of Ephesians. It speaks so much of God. It speaks of his power. It speaks of his mind. It talks a lot about Jesus. And there's also lots of practical stuff, especially at the end as well. There's also a theme here for those who are in in leadership. And there's an encouragement, I believe, for them to pray for those who are under their care. And again, Paul models this in in these verses. He's praying that, that God's people would know the hope of their calling. They would know power working through their lives. That they would know that they have a calling and a destiny. It's a challenge for anyone in, in any form of leadership, not just elders, but cell group leaders, or you lead the art group, or whatever. Here, here, here is a challenge for us. You lead the children's work. Here's a challenge. Does this reflect our prayer life? We can get bogged down, can't we, in pastoral issues that can drain life, and it's right to get alongside people and encourage them. But in the secret place, let's pray big prayers for those under our care. Let's pray big prayers. Let's dream big dreams for those we have responsibility for. See people as God sees them. You know, redeemed saints, part of the body, full of potential, dynamite awaiting the Spirit's flame. Do you sense that this morning during the worship? It was like, do you? It was like, and the Holy Spirit starts speaking and people start sharing. It was exciting. There was a sense of, a fire kind of warming up. If you ever watch these travel programs on the television, someone like Michael Palin goes to a big quarry somewhere in Russia or something, and you see this huge quarry and this great long line of stone that needs to be removed. And the chap goes along with the, with the drill, and he drills in a long line, doesn't he, and puts in the dynamite, the gel ignite, Semtex, whatever it is, and makes this great long line of holes and puts the dynamite in. They retreat a distance, and then you see, boom, 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 little puffs of smoke come, yeah? People seen that on the television? Or for real? And then this great swathe of rock just gently collapses forward. I believe it's like that for the church. Dynamite used in the quarry is very good. It blows up in, uni- in, in, in unison as directed by the chief engineer. It's controlled, it's targeted power, and it removes heavy obstacles. Now what if the individual bits of dynamite thought, well, I've got power, and that rock's really annoying me, so I'm going to go over and blow it up. Another bit of rock says, well, that's annoying me, so I'm going to blow that up. There would be explosions everywhere, Damage 
and probably tragedy. And again, I think it's a picture that when God fills us with the Holy Spirit, when he starts pouring out his spirit, as I read in a book um, this week, and I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that, that the, the Holy... Oh, it was Mike Betts. He was saying the Holy Spirit and charismatic gifts aren't for the needy people. They're actually for the men and women of God that want to move on in power. Not just for the needy as, as a crutch. It's, it's something we should be not ashamed of. The Holy Spirit, have tongues, interpretation. Not to be ashamed of the power of God. But let's seek to use the power under the authority of leadership and the authority of God, our King. That way, we can remove an awful lot of rock. The status quo, well, I'm afraid it's not an option. <laughs> Change is here to stay, as we hear at endless work dues and business things. Changes, changes here to stay. But it's not for the sake of change. It's about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. At the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis verse, verse 2, it talks about the Spirit of God just brooding, just waiting for God to speak. And when God spoke, the Spirit moved and things started happening. It's the same with us, waiting to hear God speak, and then we move. We are saved that God's life would be manifest in us. The Bible is full of verses encouraging us to go for our calling and to go for our destiny in God. And, and often that calling and so forth, it comes in a package that, that is difficult for our minds to grasp and get hold of. Anybody know what Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is? Come on, you scholars. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. That's right. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for harm. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, the only trick question of the morning, so there's adequate, to, adequate warning. How many people have been given that verse as an encouragement to them over the years? Yay! It's a trick question. Okay. Okay. Anyone ever looked at the context of that verse? Look at the context of that verse. It's very important that we always look at Scripture in context. God was speaking that, those verses, those words, to a people who were in exile. They were where they didn't want to be. And in some ways, they were with a people they didn't want to be with. They were facing difficulties, challenges, and so forth. But if we look back... We go back from verse 11 and we go back to verse 7 and there is this amazing verse. It says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You sometimes wondered why you're in this church? Well, here's some good news. It's because God has brought you here. God has brought you here. And why are we in this town? Is it so that we're, you know, get a slightly bigger church and better worship and it'll all be a little bit more fun? No, he's called us to pray for the blessing of this, of this, of this town and of this area. That's our calling. And as we do that, then 
we activate verse 11. We activate the fact that God wants to press, prosper us and to bless us. He even says that in verse 7. And it says, um, it says, if it prospers, you too will prosper. That's good, isn't it? As we pray for the blessing, as people are serving here in the art group, in the photography club, in the children's work, as you are serving, you are blessing this neighbourhood. You are blessing this community. You are blessing this town. And you know what? God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. Hallelujah. He's going to bless you. Remember the story of Job? Everyone has their opinion on Job. But look at the very end of Job, which actually is what the book of James tells us to do. Look to the end. So with the analysis. <laughs> anyway, look to the end of Job. And it says, when Job prayed for his friends, everything was restored to him. Now, when you're in those darkest times, and some of us know what those darkest times are like, pray for your friends. Pray for others. Pray for the blessing, the prosperity serve in the community and you know what God will bless you and God will bless us as Job prayed for his friends everything was restored to him so God does have a destiny for you he has a hope for you he has promises of protection for you however I believe it's in the context of being part of his people part of being part being part of the body you see Talking about exiles, in a sense, we are all exiles, aren't we? We're in this godless world. You find yourself battling against godlessness in work and home, in relationships. You're battling against godlessness all around. But I believe that in the midst of that, God wants us to pray for the welfare of this city and of this community. Not individually, because that's our calling, but as a body, that is what we're doing. We're praying and we're acting on it too. You see, Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he always modelled that perfect relationship with his Father. Jesus is our model. There was not one drop of individualism within Jesus. He walked, he talked, he loved those who were around him. He prayed and ministered to the welfare of, the, of those he met. He ministered to the broken, to the hurting. He was in a broken society. And in the end, he lived and eventually gave his life for those very people. Jesus modelled what we're called to do, which is to give our life for others as part of a body, not as a heroic individual. So let's pray. Let, let's minister life into this town. But let it be from the position of us being part of God's body. In that, we will find our individual destiny. We will find that we have a hope and a future and God will bless us. Don't we long to pray that many people in this town will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, that they will be baptised in water, that they will be baptised in the Holy Spirit, that they will be added to the church and they will find their fulfilment in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, help get their shoulders <laughs> with us for the work that God has prepared for us to walk in. Oh, that people in this town would know they have a destiny. You queue up in the shops, do you listen to people? The emptiness, the loss you see around people, they need Jesus. And we need to know how to be appropriate to them. 
You know, Jesus, what did he do? He puts the needy into a family. That's why we need the church. I am very needy, believe me. I very, feel very vulnerable much of the time and have things that still need to be pruned and dealt with in my life. I need my brothers and sisters because I don't want to become a long, wiggly branch that has a couple of bunches on the grapes on the end and feel that I've got there. We need one another. But the Bible, what does the Bible say about the body? Well, look at the end of these verses. In verse 20, it says, The church, the body, us together, we are raised to newness of life in Christ. We are raised. Not you individually. We are raised. We are seated with him in heavenly places. It's good to have a confession. I am seated with you in heavenly places. But also, we are seated with him in heavenly places. In verse 21, we are partakers of destiny. Isn't that amazing? We have a destiny. We used to sing that, didn't we? <laughs> Not just a city set on a hill. We have a destiny. We have a work job to do now, here, where God has put us. Did you know that we can partake of his delegated authority? All things are under Jesus' feet. All things. And he gives, he trusts us with his authority. Isn't that amazing? We are partakers of his fullness. I love that. The fullness of God. Oh, the fullness of God. As we've heard, I think John alluded to it last week, that that God just chose Abraham, or Abraham as he was. God just chose him. (laughs) Just a godless idol. He just chose him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And Stephen, in his defense in Acts, he said, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham in Mesopotamia. The God of glory. Oh, that the God of glory would appear to us. I don't think that's going to come in my individual closet, one-on-one on on a daily basis. I think it's going to be together with all the saints, going to experience something of the glory of God. But there's a little key here. It's love. Love. In Ephesians, going back to Ephesians, and I'm nearly there now. It says in verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the easy bit, isn't it? Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's pretty easy. And your love for all the saints. It's a bit more of a challenge, isn't it? (laughs) And you have to look in the mirror. It's a bit more of a challenge. Love is a vital key. Love that covers. Let's keep keep asking God's grace to love and accept one another. Let's be kind to one another. Here's the hard one. Let's think the best of one another. Get involved in gossip at the workplace, at the bus stop. It's always negative, isn't it, about the other person. It can be. We just get drawn, you just get drawn into it. But to actually think well of someone. Well, perhaps they parked there because they were helping a disabled person into the shop rather than, oh, they obviously went in there just to get some stuff. Perhaps we could start thinking well. I've got to do that. I've got to think, start thinking well of one another. And let's believe in one another just as Jesus believes in us. You heard about it earlier. He loves us. 
He wants to fill us with his spirit. Terry Virgo, who's um, been leading many churches in this country for many years, is, is really quite a father to, the, to the, the, the churches that we're part of today. He says this, and this is especially important for the ladies, this one, because it's a big one. You are not useless to God. Okay? You are not useless to God. Because God does not create useless things. If you feel that God will not use you because of something you've done, remember that Moses savagely murdered the Egyptian. That Peter fervently denied Jesus. And that Paul brutally persecuted believers. If they had thought, God won't ever use me, where would the church be today? God knows our weaknesses, but he still wants us to fit into the plan he has worked out for our life since the beginning of time. Remember, going back to Psalm 139, since the beginning of time, he has a purpose and a destiny for you. He loves you. He just loves you so much. God wants us to know his will. Since God has a will for us, it stands to reason that we must be able to discover what it is. Yeah? Paul says this in Ephesians 5.17. God does not expect us to wander around aimlessly, guessing at his plans for us. Rather, he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. This does not mean that to satisfy our curiosity, we ask him to map out our whole life in minute detail. It means instead that we receive from him the general drift of our life's calling and our function in the church. If you sense God is calling you to do something and it doesn't include being linked into the body, then I would question whether God is speaking to you. That's a bold thing to say, I know. Romans 12, 6 says this, we have differing gifts according to the grace given us. You say, well, Julian, I'm just a triangle player. <laughs> I play the bassoon. You're valuable. We need, we need everybody. I cannot strain, strain enough within me to say, dear friends, don't be an individual Christian. We need one another. And once we come together, you know what will happen? There'll be sparks, there'll be banging, there'll be disagreements, there'll be upset. But you know what? The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And if we are to come to maturity, then it's time for me and some of us to step in and say, you know what? I'm going to submit myself to the body. I'm going to be part of the body. And I won't be lost in a big splurge of people. I'll actually find my destiny and my fulfillment. Just as I close, what I'd like to do is um, just uh, offer the opportunity the invitation, just as people are seated, there's, there's no embarrassment or anything like that. But I would just like to pray part of these verses over you. And uh, just invite you, if you like to, just to close your eyes. And if it would help, just to, to, to just put your hands just in your lap. I'm not asking anyone to stand or do anything embarrassing. And I won't ask for a response afterwards. But let me just, let me just pray this. And then we can have some coffee. Okay. 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious, glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power towards us who believe. Father, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for my friends, Lord. Father, I pray that as we continue this journey together as a church, that you would give grace upon grace, Lord. And that, Father, that we would become an effective body, working in accordance with your purposes. Thank you for those who have oversight and responsibility in this church. Thank you for their passion and their desire to follow the Spirit of God. Father, we, we just thank you so much for them. And Lord, we say, here we are. Lord, we want to know you more. And Father, I thank you that you reveal more of yourself to us as a body. Thank you for the saints of God here this morning. Lord, may we as a church really come in to the full inheritance and not miss out one jot of what you have for us as a body. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.